And welcome once again to Cherish Ephesians 6.4. Um, the title of this week's article is The Prosperity Gospel, I Am God. Well, Happy New Year. It's that time of the year again when we make numerous promises to ourselves and others that we're going to make changes. We uh, are resolving to stop some bad, even sinful habits and create ones that will, Lord willing, prosper our lives. And who doesn't want to experience prosperity? We all do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what is prosperity for the Christian, and how do you get it? I did a brief but telling Bible study on prosperity to find the answers. But first, I went to Webster's Dictionary to get the definition. Webster says, The condition of being successful or thriving, especially in economic well-being. Well, that seems to work well for those preachers who preach what is commonly called the prosperity gospel. So you ask, what is the prosperity gospel? Well, if you pull a search on Google, you'll get a fairly succinct explanation of this teaching. It says, prosperity theology views the Bible as a contract between God and humans. If humans have faith in God, God will deliver security and prosperity. The doctrine emphasizes the importance of personal empowerment proposing that it's God's will for people to be blessed. Ligonier Ministries is helpful here. They write, The prosperity gospel is one of the most prominent false teaching movements of our day. Prosperity gospel preachers and televangelists have deceived multitudes around the world with a false gospel, teaching that individuals who exercise true faith in Christ will surely attain physical, material, and financial prosperity in this life. When did it begin? Well, again, Ligonier adds, the apostolic church had its fair share of false teachers who perverted the truth of the gospel by turning it into a tool for monetary profit or into a way to manipulate for God's power. Acts 8, 9-24 and Acts 19, 11-20. They go on. Throughout church history, there have been many forms of this sort of false teaching. The modern-day prosperity gospel movement began in the 1950s as a post-World War II Pentecostal movement through the ministry of Oral Roberts, an American televangelist. Roberts's books helped disseminate the message of the prosperity gospel movement. If you need healing, do these things, and the miracle of seed faith were among Roberts' more popular works. The movement was carried forward by Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart, both of whom led massively influential televangelist ministries in the 1980s. Other key figures in the history of the movement include E.W. Kenyon and Kenneth E. Hagan. Okay, I appreciate that information, but what does the Bible say? Now, I'm pleased to announce that, once again, you do not have to be a Bible scholar to figure this out. We just have to do a little homework and apply some simple logic to get the answers to our questions. So here is one of the foundational scriptures one preacher cites to support the prosperity gospel. He pulls from Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where God makes an initial promise to Abram. Scripture says, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth 
shall be blessed. Now this passage is one of the greatest passages in the Bible and it has many things to teach us. But the one thing I can't find in it is any teaching that says God promises to make all Christians wealthy if they simply believe it and demand it from God. So let's just go to the back of our Bibles and do a word search for prosper or prosperity. There we will find that the word appears in many places, but nowhere can it be found to instruct God's people to believe and claim from God a promise he made to make them wealthy. What we do find is this. We find in Genesis 31 a discussion of Jacob's prosperity. He did not ask for it, but God gave it to him. We also find that prosperity is not always about wealth. We can see that in Genesis 24, 21 and 2 Kings 18, 7. We can see that God does promise to bless Israel, Deuteronomy 28, 11 and 25, 9. We can see God's gracious blessings to Solomon in 1 Kings 10, 6 through 8. We can see more blessings from the Lord to Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, 8. In some cases, worldly prosperity is now, but their end is hell. Job 21, 13 through 34. We see God prospering David, Psalm 36. We see prosperity sometimes leads to disobedience, Jeremiah 22, 20. We see that people prospered because of their obedience to God, not God's obedience to them. 2 Chronicles 22.13, Zechariah 26.5, and Psalm 1.3. And we see people prospered because they confessed their sin, Proverbs 28.13. And sometimes even God prospers the wicked for his purposes, Jeremiah 12.1, Psalm 73 and 37, Malachi 3.15. So how about the New Testament? One prosperity gospel preacher said, 2 Corinthians 9, 8-10 through 10, has the New Testament definition of prosperity. And this is what it says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Again, let's look at this passage and try to find anything that says God has made a promise to make all Christians wealthy, and to hear all of their diseases if they will believe that false promise and claim it from God. It's just not there, not even close. So let's go back to Webster's Dictionary again, but this time let's not use the modern version, but instead use the version from 1828. Here's the definition. It is advance or gain in anything good or desirable. Successful progress in any business or enterprise. Success, attainment of the object desired, as the prosperity of the arts, agricultural or commercial prosperity, national prosperity. And Webster adds this in his definition. He says, Our disposition to abuse the blessings of providence renders prosperity dangerous. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Proverbs 1.32. As you can see, the passing of time has changed many things. Here, Webster gives an expanded explanation of the word prosperity, and even adds a comment about the destructive power of wealth. And it leads us to think a little bit more and apply some logic. 
Question. Does God encourage us to make the pursuit of health and wealth a priority? So let's look at the great Apostle Paul, the apostle who gave us more doctrine and truth than any other apostle in the New Testament. Did he believe in the prosperity gospel? Well, he prayed fervently to the Lord for personal healing, only to have Jesus tell him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9 This was not a lack of faith on Paul's part. God had not promised complete healing in his life. He promises complete healing for individuals only in the resurrection on the last day. Paul also experienced both lack and plenty, and he did not have a problem with it, and by his example taught us to be content in all circumstances. Philippians 4, 11-12 God would provide what was needed to continue to minister the gospel. In fact, the Bible clearly teaches that there is a great danger in possessing wealth. It was Jesus himself who warned against the focus of obtaining wealth in Matthew 12:15, and the difficulty that a rich man has to enter the kingdom of God, Matthew 19:23-24. Why? Because man is a fallen sinner, and in his flesh, even for the Christian, he is prone to make money and material things an idol. Instead, we are commanded to be free from the love of money and to trust God to provide for all our needs. Hebrews 13.5 In fact, Paul makes it abundantly clear in 1 Timothy 6, 8-10 that the love of money can destroy our souls. He writes, But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So then, does God encourage us to make the pursuit of health and wealth a priority? As Paul would say, may it never be. In fact, if God were to encourage us to claim wealth based on a promise he made, he would be leading us towards temptation to sin, something that he cannot do, James 1.13, and contradicting his own teaching, also something he cannot do. Now, after all that I have put before you, I have not yet addressed the thing that makes the prosperity gospel teaching most repugnant to me, and that is the attack on the absolute majesty and sovereignty of God. What is man that we could make any claims on God's will in our lives? Who has given God counsel on what he should do? Who is wiser than God as to what each of us need in our lives? Who has the wisdom to know what every possible outcome would be in response to us getting what we think we should have from God? When does the clay pot tell the potter what he should do? Where was I when he fashioned the universe? Where in the Bible do we learn that we arrive at any point in the Christian life where we can replace the unmerited favor of God, that is grace, with the merited position that makes claims on God's will? If anyone can answer these questions with a positive answer, know that you are now God. 
Many fine people have fallen into believing this demonic teaching and have subsequently become confused at the least and devastated at the worst when they do not get the response from God that they have claimed. It's an easy trap to fall into as it appeals to two of the most desired wishes for a person, the desire for financial comfort and the desire to be cured of disease. If you are exposed to this false teaching, you should run from it as fast as you can. How do you know you are listening to a false prosperity gospel teacher? In an article written for the Christian Post by Angra Kumar on May 25, 2018, he writes, Influential evangelical John Piper, the chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary, has also spoken about ways to identify prosperity gospel churches. Piper said to look for the absence of a serious doctrine of the biblical necessity and normalcy of suffering. The absence of a doctrine of suffering. The absence of a clear and prominent doctrine of self-denial. The absence of serious exposition of scripture. The absence of dealing with tensions in scripture. Exorbitant lifestyles of church leaders. And preachers' prominence of self and a marginalization of the greatness of God. For the sake of your soul, run, run as fast as you can from the prosperity gospel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.